This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, I welcome all of you here on Palm Sunday. Uh, I'm going to talk just briefly about Palm Sunday before we get into the Holy Spirit again. If you've got a Bible, go with me to Isaiah 63. Is where we'll begin today in the book of Isaiah. Uh, talking about Palm Sunday, a couple years ago when I had the blessing of being in Israel, I remember one morning we were up and we were on the side of the, um, the Kidron Valley, which on one side is the Mount of Olives, on the other side is the, the Temple Mount. And so as you look down into the Kidron Valley, you, you see all the, the areas of the Mount of Olives. And I remember being able to walk down the same path that Jesus walked down. And it was very steep. I mean, if you were on a bicycle, you better hope the brakes work. And so I remember walking down it, and I begin to picture all the people with the palm branches. And this is all Psalms 118, where they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Jewish prayer was, save now, O God. I say, save now. Prosper now, O God, prosper now. So they had an expectation that God would save and that God would bring prosperity to them. And as I thought about this, and this is what my goal is on talking about, on, on that Palm Sunday, Jesus knew what was going to take place in the upcoming week. He not only knew he was going to die, he knew how we would die. He knew he would be turned over. He, he knew he would be beaten and he would have the crown of thorns and be crucified. And so I, I highlight this with you this week. Let, let this week be a moving week within you that you give the Lord Jesus great honor. Thank you. Thank you. But think about everything that he went through and then we'll get back here next Sunday for Resurrection Sunday. Well, back to the Holy Spirit. In uh, Isaiah 63 is, is where I'll begin. I'll give you just a little time to turn there. You know, it was said about this that as the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, has the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus rejected the Holy Spirit? And when I look in the book of Isaiah, out of all the Old Testament writers, Isaiah mentioned the works of the Holy Spirit more than anybody. So I'm going to start here in Isaiah 63 and verse 9, and I'm going to give you a little, little nugget here on where we're going through the scriptures. Verse 9. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted, and the angels of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity or his mercy, he redeemed them, he bore them, and he carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and they grieved the Holy Spirit. But they rebelled and they grieved the Holy Spirit. The word grieved means they caused the Holy Spirit to sorrow. Now, through the, through the scriptures, mankind has the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit and also to quench the Holy Spirit. And the word quench means to restrain him, to stifle him, to suppress him or subdue him. So it gives us a little bit of an insight of where we're going today. But it said they grieved the Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people saying, Where is he who brought them up out of the sea? Where is the shepherd of his flock? 
Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? Now, if we had time to keep reading all the way through verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who saves, he guides, but he's also the one that leads us to a place of rest. Now, I'm gonna highlight this on, on the Holy Spirit this entire, this entire morning about what it looks like to grieve the Spirit of God. Turn with me to Psalms 103, Psalms 133, the 133rd Psalm. And as you go there, uh, once you get there, I, I want you to pay real close attention to the subtitle of this. It said, blessed is the unity of the people of God. Blessed is the unity of the people of God. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The, the sweet harmony of unity, the, the power of unity. And throughout the Bible, you'll see that there is a high priority that's given to the, the spirit of unity. Verse 2. It is... Or this unity is like the precious or the costly oil upon the head running down on the beard, the head of uh, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. Now immediately he gets over and he says that unity is what causes the oil to go down or through the beard of, of Aaron. And when you see the oil there, he's talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that the writer's words here, he said, how costly it is. When we view something very costly, and just think here for a second in, in your mind here, what's something in your life that you would be very, it would be very costly? So when it's very costly, you're going to do whatever it takes to protect it to treasure it. And, and he's talking about, man, this anointing is costly, but it operates only in the arena of unity. Verse three, it is, or this precious unity, is like the dew of Hermon, the refreshing flow of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now, when you read this, when it talks about the dew, in the morning the dew is fresh. It's undefiled. And again, he's getting on what takes place with unity. Now, I'm going to end in verse 3, and I want you to pay real close attention to the words here because we're going to highlight this over and over this morning. For there, or that's where, the Lord commanded the blessing. Where did the Lord command the blessing? In the arena of unity. In the atmosphere of unity. Now think about this. If the Lord commands a blessing in the arena of unity, what do you think happens when there's disunity? God cannot bless. God cannot do what he desires to do in an atmosphere of disunity, division, or disharmony. So again, in this place where God commands the blessing is the place of unity. That's why it's so important for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Better stated, unity 
is paramount. Now, go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and what you'll begin to see where we're going is that unity was significant in the Old Testament. It was huge in the church of Acts, and it's still huge to this day. And so I'm just going to read a couple passages here real, real briefly to give you an idea of the power of unity. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now oftentimes when you see the word Pentecost, people get really crazy thoughts. Oh no, he's going Pentecostal on me. That word Pentecost there literally means 50. It was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So if we go back and we were to look in Acts chapter 1... Remember when Jesus rose from the grave? He was on the earth for 40 days. After 40 days, he ascended into heaven. You know where he's at right now? He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. Now with that thought right there, I tell Lord Jesus, I need all the intercession you can give me. I welcome this. So when it says the day of Pentecost, literally this is 10 days from the time he ascended into heaven. Keep reading, verse 1. And they were all, all 120 of them were with one accord. Now, if you were to go back into Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it says the same thing. They were all in one accord. The word one accord means mutual consent. It means agreement. Having group unity, it means a harmony leading to action. Now, I highlight this because at the church of Acts, they were all in one accord. They were together. So if we were to follow what begins to take place after this, in Acts 3, Peter and John went up to temple to pray, and that's where they met a lame man. And remember, they prayed for the lame man in the name of Jesus, and he got healed. In that same time frame, over 5,000 people got born again. The Holy Spirit moves in a spirit of unity. Remember, in the place of unity is where God commands the blessing. So when I read over and over in the church of Acts, they were in one accord. When the body of Christ comes together in one accord, God shows up. God, God still wants to show up. Sometimes we have the thought, why isn't God moving? Why isn't God doing this or this? Does God not do those things anymore? But in Hebrews 13, it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever God. So God's not the problem. And if God's not the problem, then we're the problem. And could the problem be because we're in disunity? We're in division? Turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. Now remember, when you get here, Peter and John had had God show up incredible ways. And the Jewish leaders told them, do not pray or speak in that name of Jesus any longer. And so this is right after this takes place. Verse 23 of Acts 4. And Peter and John being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. 
So when they had heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now, right here, do you, do you see the wording again? They were with one accord. The power of unity. And in this situation, it wasn't about Peter and John. It was in the power and agreement of all of them that came together. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, that place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all, and because they were in one accord, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, I highlight over and over, you'll see in the church of Acts, something happens. When we get into one accord, keep reading. Verse 32, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. One heart and one mind. Better stated, they were in tune, they were in sync together. And it said, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. They gave testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon all of them. Why? Because they were in one accord. They were in great unity. So you know what you begin to see right here? Disunity and division will hold back the move of God. Will hold back the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in an environment of unity. Unity is paramount. Remember this. In the place of unity is where God commands the blessing. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now I'm going somewhere with this biblically. That I believe this is very important especially leading into this, this Easter week. You know why I say especially? Because something happens when the church gets in an agreement. And if I ask in here how many of us have loved ones really need to get born again, we'd all raise our hands. That's why we got to get to the place of unity right here. Right here. Now, watch the Apostle Paul's teaching here. In 1 Corinthians 3. And I, the Apostle Paul, speaking to brethren, fellow believers, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but I had to speak to you as carnal. You're full of the flesh. You're dominated by the world as to babes in Christ. I, I talked to you as though you belonged to the world and your infants spiritually. Now remember, he's talking to the brethren. So why did he say this? Verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Now think here. In the physical realm. The only person that doesn't eat solid food is a baby. Someone that's still on the bottle. And so the apostle Paul right here, in my uh, paraphrase edition, 
He's telling the church at Corinth, it's time to grow up. It's time to get off the bottle. Now, when I read this right here, here's the thought that got to me. I wonder when the apostle Paul looked at them and said, it's time for you to grow up spiritually. How many of them said, I'm going to another church? That irritates me that he would even say that about me. So why did he say this right here? I want you to note in the next verse the reasons that he said what he did. Verse 3. For you are still carnal. You're born again, but you're dominated by your flesh. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now, look at the three things that he says. Envy and strife and divisions. Better stated, do those describe me? Am I a person that's dominated by envy? Am I the person that causes strife and division to start up? And it's interesting, he said right here, you're still operating like mere men or men of the world. Verse 4. For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are, are you not carnal? So the spiritual growth requires the word of God, but it also is a need of the Holy Spirit. So I believe in this, that Paul goes from observation to an outright confrontation and he attributes their shallowness to the intake of God's word. Whew, this is powerful right here. God commands the blessing in a place of unity. Huge. Now go with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And I can't read this entire chapter, okay? So I'm going to have to break it down in little segments. But we start in Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, a prisoner for serving the Lord, Paul says, I beseech you. I beg you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness, Gentleness with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now, let me help you just a little bit with the four words he uses there. Number one, he says, humble, gentle, patient, and love. If we had time to go to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, that's where you'll see the nine fruit of the Spirit. These four are all byproducts of the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, humility, gentleness, patience, and love only come from the Holy Spirit. This is what he does on the inside of every one of us. And it's interesting that this is what he said, I beg you. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in endeavoring, that word means to guard, that word means to make every effort to keep the unity 
of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? He does everything he can with us to build unity. And he gives us a warning here. You're going to have to endeavor. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to fight. And I can tell you this right now. One of my pet peeves is I fight for unity. Constantly. Verse 4, 5, and 6. And I'll read these rather fastly. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Now what you see here is the significance of unity. And if you'll know what he said, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Therefore, it is a very serious matter to cause division among God's people. Spiritual unity right here is at the very heart of the Christian faith. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is about power. That's Acts 1.8. But the Holy Spirit is also about unity and love. And when I talk about love, the love of God covers a multitude of sin. Isn't it good? Isn't it sweet? Isn't it pleasant when the brethren dwell together in unity? Now, when I talk about love and unity... You know who fully understands the significance of love and unity? The devil. The devil fully understands what happens when he's able to get believers in division and strife and envy. And he'll do everything he can to do that. You know, a year ago at this time is when we begin to wade out in this thing called the COVID. Something none of us have ever experienced. But in my wildest dreams, I never thought people wearing face masks would cause a church to get into vision. And in my wildest dreams, I never thought those yellow things right there called a string would cause the body of Christ to get in division. Why am I having it? Because I saw that. I saw people that would get mad one way or another. And my thought was this, that mask or that string's not gonna keep us from preaching the gospel. If that's what causes people to feel safe, so be it. And I believe personally, the devil used that in incredible ways. To cause division. And he's still working that. And you know what I can tell you right now? When people got so mad about it, there was a sign of me said, you got to go. You got to go. If this is going to cause division, you got to go. And so something as small as that. And think about this in the, in the COVID. People became so opinionated. It was amazing to me. Did I know everything? No, I didn't have a clue. I was just trying to follow God. I didn't know everything, and Dr. Fauci sure didn't know everything. (laughs) 
So it was a thing where we said, man, I, I, I can't allow this to divide us. Do you know in Mark 3, the Lord Jesus said this, a kingdom divided cannot stand. And then he went a little further and he said, a house divided cannot stand. Whether that's your own individual home or the church house, when it gets in division, it cannot stand. And the devil will do everything he can to get us into disunity instead of unity because he knows the place of unity is where God commands the blessing. So he says, I, I got them. I got them when they're in division. God cannot do what he desires to do. And so we navigate on through Ephesians chapter 4. And the Lord says in verse 22, he says, put off that old man. And in verse 24, he says, put on that new man, which was created in Christ's likeness. And so in verses 25 through 32, Paul begins to give an inventory of things that cause huge problems. And he literally lists seven areas of speech and seven areas of, of conduct that cause us to get in trouble. Now, I'm not going to read all these. I'm going to highlight some of them. Quit lying. Speak the truth. Don't get over into anger and stay in anger where it causes you to sin. Pay attention to Ephesians 4.27. Nor give place to the devil. Don't give the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. Don't give the devil an opportunity to bring a stronghold upon you. And then he picks back up and he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Watch the words out of your mouth. Now come in here with me to verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve him. So evidently, the things I do can grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we as human beings get into disunity, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. When we don't walk in love, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When there's strife, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Dr. Martin Luther King said this, the most segregated hour of the week is 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. When we all separate. Let me highlight what I mean by that. And this is the white church and this is the brown church and this is the black church where we all sit around and talk about how we have a friend in Jesus. And we sing, love lifted me, while every color of skin, red, yellow, black, white, and brown, we try to rationalize and justify why we won't do church together. And we wonder why God can't move in our land, and we wonder why God can't move in our churches. You know, Revelation 7, 9 says that heaven will be made up of every nation, 
of every tribe and every tongue. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of Christians that are going to hate heaven because they're going to have to share it with other people. See, I began to look at this and I thought, Father God, help us. Help us. And I stand before you as one of the few pastors in our city that's blessed the pastor church with every color of skin. <laughs> I celebrate. I, I, I celebrate. I, I thank God we get to resemble heaven here on earth. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind, and be kind, and be. Don't just talk about it. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. So when I read this, when I don't obey verse 32, and I'm not kind and tenderhearted, I've grieved the Holy Spirit. So I begin to think on these lines when I get into prayer. And I think, every Sunday God wants to do something in his house. God wants to do something in these altars. But when we get into disunity, have we stifled what God wants to do right here? And unity isn't about me getting my own way. Unity is about doing what's best for the body of Christ. And so these upcoming weeks right here, with Easter coming, every one of us in here have family members need to get born again. But can God not command the blessing? And I know there's one of you out here right now. You need to be healed in your physical body. And I saw in Acts 3 when they all got into one accord, the lame man was healed. And so because of pride, because of arrogance, because of me having my own way, I said no. And so we stifle what God wants to do. Wow, pastor. No, it bothers me because I hear week after week, why isn't God doing these things? And I highlight again, God's not the problem. I'm gonna ask you to stand up here today. And if I'm truthful, if I'm truthful, and I look into my own heart, Do I have envy? Do I have strife? Do I have division? Just as the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. Have, have I quenched the Holy Spirit? Have I grieved all of it? I don't want to look around it. I have to ask myself, is this me? But oh, how sweet and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in harmony and unity. God wants to move. God wants to move in this house. And I know every one of us in here, we have human limitations. 
We have carnal tendencies. But oh, God can begin to move when we yield to him. When we call out to him. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go to work in here. That if we've caused grief or we've caused strife, if we cause to quench you, Lord, I pray right now that you, you grace us in this area. See, we serve a God who wants to command the blessing. He, he's just waiting to command the blessing. Just waiting. So I'm going to open up these altars. And I pray today that God baptizes us with that Acts 1, 2, and 4 anointing. They were in one accord. That he would baptize our hearts. I want you to think about something. Not only here, but in your own home. God's desire is to command the blessing. But when we allow division in our own homes. I've been mad at God before. Like, God, why aren't you doing something? But little did we look in the rear view mirror of life and said, Am I the problem? I'm going to let these guys sing. And I welcome you to get your heart right. And I'm just telling you right now. When we as a church, the brethren dwell together in that Psalm 133, anointing of humility and unity. God's going to move at these altars. God's going to do what he did in the church of Acts, okay? Go ahead and sing, God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.